Book 20, Chapters 7 and 8 of the Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 4 by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston, Book 20, Chapters 7 and 8. Chapter 7 Felix is made procurator of Judea, as also concerning Agrippa, Jr., and his sisters. So Claudius sent Felix, the brother of Pallas, to take care of the affairs of Judea, and when he had already completed the twelfth year of his reign, he bestowed upon Agrippa the tetrarchy of Philip and Batania, and added thereto Trachonitis, with Abila, which last had been the tetrarchy of Lysanias. But he took from him Chalcis, when he had been governor thereof for years. And when Agrippa had received these countries as the gift of Caesar, he gave his sister Drusilla in marriage to Azizus, king of Emesa. Upon his consent to be circumcised, for Epiphanes, the son of King Antiochus, had refused to marry her because, after he had promised her father formally to come over to the Jewish religion, he would not now perform that promise. He also gave Mariamne in marriage to Archelaus, the son of Halcius, to whom she had formerly been betrothed by Agrippa her father, from which marriage was derived a daughter, whose name was Bernice. But for the marriage of Drusilla with Azizus, it was in no long time afterward dissolved upon the following occasion. When Felix was procurator of Judea, he saw this Drusilla and fell in love with her, for she did indeed exceed all other women in beauty, and he sent to her a person whose name was Simon, one of his friends, a Jew, he was, and by birth a Cypriot, and one who pretended to be a magician, and endeavored to persuade her to forsake her present husband, and marry him, and promised that if she would not refuse him, he would make her a happy woman. Accordingly, she acted ill, and because she was desirous to avoid her sister Bernice's envy, for she was very ill-treated by her on account of her beauty, was prevailed upon to transgress the laws of her forefathers, and to marry Felix, and when he had had a son by her, he named him Agrippa. But after what manner that young man, with his wife, perished at the conflagration of the mountain Vesuvius, in the days of Titus Caesar, shall be related hereafter. But as for Bernice, she lived a widow a long while after the death of Herod, king of Chalcis, who was both her husband and her uncle. But when the report went that she had criminal conversation with her brother, Agrippa Jr., she persuaded Ptolemy, who was king of Cilicia, to be circumcised, 
and to marry her, as supposing that by this means she should prove those calumnies upon her to be false. And Polemi was prevailed upon, and that chiefly on account of her riches. Yet did not this matrimony endure long. But Bernice left Polemi, and, as was said, with impure intentions. So he forsook at once this matrimony, and the Jewish religion, and at the same time Mariamne put away Archelaus, and was married to Demetrius, the principal man among the Alexandrian Jews, both for his family and his wealth, and indeed he was then their alabarch. So she named her son, whom she had by him, Agrippinus. But of all these particulars we shall hereafter treat more exactly. Chapter 8 After what manner upon the death of Claudius, Nero succeeded in the government, as also what barbarous things he did concerning the robbers, murderers, and impostors, that arose while Felix and Festus were procurators of Judea. Now Claudius Caesar died when he had reigned thirteen years, eight months, and twenty days. And a report went about that he was poisoned by his wife Agrippina. Her father was Germanicus, the brother of Caesar, her husband was Domitius Anobarbus, one of the most illustrious persons that was in the city of Rome, after whose death and her long continuance in widowhood, Claudius took her to wife. She brought along with her a son, Domitius, of the same name with his father. He had before this slain his wife, Messalina, out of jealousy, by whom he had his children Britannicus and Octavia, their eldest sister was Antonia, whom he had by Pelina his first wife. He also married Octavia to Nero, for that was the name that Caesar gave him afterward upon his adopting him for his son. But now Agrippina was afraid lest when Britannicus should come to man's estate, he should succeed his father in the government and desired to seize upon the principality beforehand for her own son, Nero, upon which the report went that she thence compassed the death of Claudius. Accordingly, she sent Verhus, the general of the army, immediately and with him the tribunes, and such also of the freedmen as were of the greatest authority, to bring Nero away into the camp, and to salute him emperor. And when Nero had thus obtained the government, he got Britannicus to be so poisoned, that the multitude should not perceive it, although he publicly put his own mother to death not long afterward, making her this requital, not only for being born of her, but for bringing it so about by her contrivances that he obtained the Roman Empire. He also slew Octavia, his own wife, and many other illustrious persons, under this pretense, that they plotted against him. But I omit any further discourse about these affairs, for there have been a great many who have composed the history of Nero, 
some of which have departed from the truth of facts out of favor, as having received benefits from him, while others, out of hatred to him and the great ill-will which they bear him, have so impudently raved against him with their lies that they justly deserve to be condemned. Nor do I wonder at such as have told lies of Nero, since they have not in their writings preserved the truth of history as to those facts that were earlier than his time even when the actors could have no way incurred their hatred, since those writers lived a long time after them. But, as to those that have no regard to truth, they may write as they please, for in that they take delight. But as to ourselves, who have made truth our direct aim, we shall briefly touch upon what only belongs remotely to this undertaking, but shall relate what hath happened to us Jews with great accuracy, and shall not grudge our pains in giving an account both of the calamities we have suffered and of the crimes we have been guilty of. I will now therefore return to the relation of our own affairs. For in the first year of the reign of Nero, upon the death of Azizus, king of Emesa, so Amos his brother, succeeded in his kingdom, and Aristobulus, the son of Herod, king of Chalcis, was entrusted by Nero with the government of the lesser Armenia. Caesar also bestowed on Agrippa a certain part of Galilee, Tiberias, and Terracaea, and ordered him to submit to his jurisdiction. He gave him also Julius, a city of Perea with fourteen villages that lay about it. Now as for the affairs of the Jews, they grew worse and worse continually, for the country was again filled with robbers and impostors who deluded the multitude. Yet did Felix catch and put to death many of those impostors every day, together with the robbers. He also caught Eleazar the son of Danaeus, who had gotten together a company of robbers, and this he did by treachery, for he gave him assurance that he should suffer no harm, and thereby persuaded him to come to him. But when he came, he bound him and sent him to Rome. Felix also bore an ill will to Jonathan the high priest, because he frequently gave him admonitions about governing the Jewish affairs better than he did, lest he should himself have complaints made of him by the multitude since he it was who had desired Caesar to send him as procurator to Judea. So Felix contrived a method whereby he might get rid of him. Now he was become so continually troublesome to him, for such continual admonitions are grievous to those who are disposed to act unjustly. Wherefore Felix persuaded one of Jonathan's most faithful friends, a citizen of Jerusalem, whose name was Dorus, to bring the robbers upon Jonathan in order to kill him, and this he did by promising to give him a great deal of money for so doing. Dorus complied with the proposal, and contrived matters so that the robbers might murder him after the following manner. Certain of those robbers went up to the city, as if they were going to worship God, while they had daggers under their garments, and 
By thus mingling themselves among the multitude, they slew Jonathan, and as this murder was never avenged, the robbers went up with the greatest security at the festivals after this time, and having weapons concealed in like manner as before, and mingling themselves among the multitude, they slew certain of their own enemies, and were subservient to other men for money, and slew others, not only in remote parts of the city, but in the temple itself also. For they had the boldness to murder men there without thinking of the impiety of which they were guilty. And this seems to me to have been the reason why God, out of his hatred of these men's wickedness, rejected our city, and as for the temple, he no longer esteemed it sufficiently pure for him to inhabit therein, but brought the Romans upon us, and threw a fire upon the city to purge it, and brought upon us, our wives and children, slavery, as desirous to make us wiser by our calamities. These works that were done by the robbers filled the city with all sorts of impiety, and now these impostors and deceivers persuaded the multitude to follow them into the wilderness, and pretended that they would exhibit manifest wonders and signs that should be performed by the providence of God. And many that were prevailed on by them suffered the punishments of their folly, for Felix brought them back and then punished them. Moreover, there came out of Egypt about this time to Jerusalem one that said he was a prophet and advised the multitude of the common people to go along with him to the Mount of Olives, as it was called, which lay over against the city, and at the distance of five furlongs. He said further that he would show them from hence how, at his command, the walls of Jerusalem would fall down, and he promised them that he would procure them an entrance into the city through these walls when they were fallen down. Now when Felix was informed of these things, he ordered his soldiers to take their weapons, and came against them with a great number of horsemen and footmen from Jerusalem, and attacked the Egyptian and the people that were with him. He also slew four hundred of them, and took two hundred alive. But the Egyptian himself escaped out of the fight, but did not appear any more. And again the robbers stirred up the people to make war with the Romans and said they ought not to obey them at all, and when any persons would not comply with them, they set fire to their villages and plundered them. And now it was that a great sedition arose between the Jews that inhabited Caesarea and the Syrians who dwelt there also, concerning their equal right to the privileges belonging to citizens. For the Jews claimed the preeminence, because Herod their king was the builder of Caesarea, and because he was by birth a Jew. Now the Syrians did not deny what was alleged about Herod, but they said that Caesarea was formerly called Strato's Tower, and that then there was not one Jewish inhabitant. When the presidents of that country heard of these disorders, they caught the authors of them on both sides and tormented them with stripes, and by that means put a stop to the disturbance for a time. 
But the Jewish citizens, depending on their wealth, and on that account despising the Syrians, reproached them again, and hoped to provoke them by such reproaches. However, the Syrians, though they were inferior in wealth, yet valuing themselves highly on this account, that the greatest part of the Roman soldiers that were there were either of Caesarea or Sebaste, they also for some time used reproachful language to the Jews also, and thus it was, till at length they came to throwing stones at one another, and several were wounded and fell on both sides, though still the Jews were the conquerors. But when Felix saw that this quarrel was become a, a kind of war, he came upon them on the sudden, and desired the Jews to desist, and when they refused so to do, he armed his soldiers, and sent them out upon them, and slew many of them, and took more of them alive, and permitted his soldiers to plunder some of the houses of the citizens, which were full of riches. Now those Jews that were more moderate, and of principal dignity among them, were afraid of themselves, and desired of Felix that he would sound a retreat to his soldiers, and spare them for the future, and afford them room for repentance for what they had done, and Felix was prevailed upon to do so. About this time King Agrippa gave the high priesthood to Ismael, who was the son of Abi. And now arose a sedition between the high priests and the principal men of the multitude of Jerusalem, each of which got them a company of the boldest sort of men, and of those that loved innovations about them, and became leaders to them, and when they struggled together, they did it by casting reproachful words against one another, and by throwing stones also. And there was nobody to reprove them. But these disorders were done after a licentious manner in the city, as if it had no government over it. And such was the impudence and boldness that had seized on the high priests, that they had the hardiness to send their servants into the threshing floors to take away those tithes that were due to the priests, insomuch that it so fell out that the poorest sort of the priest died for want. To this degree did the violence of the seditious prevail over all right and justice. Now when Portius Festus was sent as successor to Felix by Nero, the principal of the Jewish inhabitants of Caesarea went up to Rome to accuse Felix, and he had certainly been brought to punishment unless Nero had yielded to the importunate solicitations of his brother Pallas, who was at that time had in the greatest honor by him. Two of the principal Syrians in Caesarea persuaded Burhus, who was Nero's tutor, and secretary for his Greek epistles, by giving him a great sum of money to disannul that equality of the Jewish privileges of citizens which they hitherto enjoyed. So Berhus, by his solicitations, obtained leave of the emperor that an epistle should be written to that purpose. This epistle became the occasion of the following miseries that befell our nation, 
For when the Jews of Caesarea were informed of the contents of this epistle to the Syrians, they were more disorderly than before, till a war was kindled. Upon Festus's coming to Judea, it happened that Judea was afflicted by the robbers, while all the villages were set on fire and plundered by them. And then it was that the Sicarii, as they were called, who were robbers, grew numerous. They made use of small swords, not much different in length from the Persian Asinatia, but somewhat crooked and like the Roman Sicae, or sickles, as they were called. And from these weapons, these robbers, got their denomination, and with these weapons they slew a great many, for they mingled themselves among the multitude at their festivals, when they were come up in crowds from all parts to the city to worship God, as we said before, and easily slew those that they had a mind to slay. They also came frequently upon the villages belonging to their enemies with their weapons, and plundered them, and set them on fire. So Festus sent forces, both horsemen and footmen, to fall upon those that had been seduced by a certain impostor who promised them deliverance and freedom from the miseries they were under, if they would but follow him as far as the wilderness. Accordingly, those forces that were sent destroyed both him that had deluded them and those that were his followers also. About the same time, King Agrippa built himself a very large dining room in the royal palace at Jerusalem near to the portico. Now this palace had been erected of old by the children of Asimonius, and was situate upon an elevation, and afforded a most delightful prospect to those that had a mind to take a view of the city, which prospect was desired by the king, and there he could lie down and eat, and thence observe what was done in the temple. Which thing? when the chief men of Jerusalem saw that they were very much displeased at it, for it was not agreeable to the institutions of our country or law that what was done in the temple should be viewed by others, especially what belonged to the sacrifices. They therefore erected a wall upon the uppermost building which belonged to the inner court of the temple towards the west, which wall, when it was built, did not only intercept the prospect of the dining-room in the palace, but also of the western cloisters that belonged to the outer court of the temple also, where it was that the Romans kept guards for the temple at the festivals. At these doings, both King Agrippa and principally Festus, the procurator, were much displeased, and Festus ordered them to pull the wall down again. But the Jews petitioned him to give them leave to send an embassage about this matter to Nero, for they said they could not endure to live if any part of the temple should be demolished. And when Festus had given them leave so to do, they sent ten of their principal men to Nero, as also Ismael the high priest and Helsius the keeper of the sacred treasure. And when Nero had heard what they had to say, he not only forgave them what they had already done, but also gave them leave to let the wall they had built stand. This was granted them in order to gratify Hopea, 
Nero's wife, who was a religious woman, and had requested these favors of Nero, and who gave order to the ten ambassadors to go their way home, but retained Helsius and Ismail as hostages with herself. As soon as the king heard this news, he gave the high priesthood to Joseph, who was called Kavi, the son of Simon, formerly high priest. End of Book 20, Chapters 7 and 8 Recording by Bill Mosley, Frelsburg, Texas, U.S.A.